Rusty Quill presents. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. There was just someone at my door. It's uh, still pretty early, like 5.30. I don't know who it could be, but... I'm scared. If they have got Casper, it's not going to be too much of a reach for them to find me. I don't know what they'll do if they come here. I still have some of Casper's blood. Maybe that's enough to... to... But I give them that and I'm dead already. For sure. No ambiguity. I'm getting closer to making this decision, but... I feel further away from knowing what to do than ever. I could try and die anyway and have wasted hours more that I could have been alive. I could end up like the thing that killed Ben. It could work and I could be like Casper. I can find him and help him, but it's the least likely of all potential outcomes not worth holding my breath over. And yet... God, there's no point in even thinking about it. There's no way to know what will happen if I drink the rest of this blood at once. Either I do it or I don't. It's a risk-benefit analysis. Like those god-awful risk assessments they make us do at work, which are either painfully time-consuming and unnecessary or offer nothing helpful by way of prompts or suggestions in those instances where you could really use them. I should try to sleep more. But the knock on the door really has... It's... I can't go back to sleep... So where was it that I left off? Oh yeah, Casper just saved my life for the first time. This is Not Quite Dead, Episode 5, Fight or Flight or Not. first bite on my neck, the scars have faded to pink. They're slightly raised when I run my fingers over them. And I can feel the ghost of that dull ache I felt the morning after, like my muscles still remember it even after everything else that's happened since. In the morning after Casper made them, I stood in the bathroom mirror, looking at the bite mark and the bruise around it, tracing the punctures that would become scars, this new topography. As I touched them, I felt something strange rising in me. It was somewhere between fury and longing, stirring deep inside me, 
half buried under the grief and the guilt that seemed to be pressing in at me from all sides. Apart from the bruise and the scabs, now I'd showered, I didn't look any different, but I felt it. I'd seen people die before. I'd seen people die horribly and in pain, but I'd never seen it like I'd seen Ben go. I'd never been so close to the same death as the one playing out in front of me. I wasn't sure exactly what had happened in Casper's car afterwards, but I was pretty certain I'd almost died then, too. That I would have if he hadn't bitten me. As I thought that, the healing punctures in my neck throbbed, and that weird, angry longing stirred deep in my guts. It was like something was knotting itself deep inside of me, directionless but urgent. I looked down at my phone, at the notes written there, hurried, full of errors, descriptions of Casper, of Linda, what he'd done, how he'd been. He'd kissed me, to make me forget. This thought twisted the anger and need even further, like it was coiling in on itself. My eyes stung. My phone started ringing. It was Grace. Where the hell did you go? I thought for a split second to tell her the truth, to tell her I'd seen Ben torn to shreds in front of me, watched him bleed out, been saved by a man who threw Ben's attacker into the river after he killed him with a chair leg and almost died of infection that moved so fast I swear it could have taken me in minutes. Didn't say any of it though. Instead, I told Grace I was sorry. I got too drunk and I needed to go home, I wasn't thinking. I was so worried, she told me. I thought about Ben... How Grace was right to be concerned because it could have so easily been me instead of him dead on the pavement. How was it that I'd left him lying at the riverside covered in his own blood? I hadn't even closed his eyes. I'm sorry, I told Grace. I just started crying. Grace was really confused and felt worried she'd somehow desperately upset me and spent the next 20 minutes consoling me as I sobbed, sitting on the bath mat holding my jeans. They were stiff with blood and I'd had to peel them off my skin when I undressed to shower. The blood was Ben's. Blood I'd watched pour out of him. His life spilling out into my lap. The stars reflected in his unseeing eyes. Finally, Grace hung up and I crawled back to the couch, turned on the news and just sat there, staring at it between stretches of sleep. Sure, the announcement of his death would come any minute. Whilst I waited, I lay on the couch and read the notes in my phone again and again, trying to make the memories come back into my head. I thought about Linda, what Casper had done to her, what he'd done to me. None of it made sense. The more I thought, the more the feeling in my guts twisted and twisted, and I could see it, feel it almost speak sense. He'd left me. Casper had done all of that and he'd left me. I wanted to scream. I wanted to bite him back and leave him waiting, see how he liked it. The memory of the car journey away from Ben's murder, of the bite on my neck, it all felt so strange and unreal. Not quite like a dream, but close. I felt horrifyingly alone with it, this knowledge about what the patients with the torn-out throats had suffered. A knowledge of Casper, whatever he was. Because I still couldn't name it, not then, not yet, even with his teeth marks in my neck like I was the bride of fucking Dracula. I stared at the text about the notes. It must have come from Casper. I could text him. I could ask him to come. Somehow I knew in some deep part of myself that if I'd asked him to come, he wouldn't have hesitated. I could have called and he'd be there. I don't know how I knew that, I just did. But I couldn't make myself do it. I couldn't make myself ask. 
Instead, I just lay there, reading the notes on memories which moment by moment seemed more and more real, until finally I fell asleep again. The call about Ben's death came early the next morning. It was my mum. Are you okay? she asked. And before I could answer, she was telling me she'd seen Ben's face on the news. It's just awful, Alfie. It's like what's happened to all those other people they've found, she said. I started crying again. Just awful, choking sobs. Mum was a bit taken aback by the force of it, and honestly I can't blame her because I was too. Tentatively, she asked if I'd been hoping to get back together with Ben after all. I wasn't, I told her. I didn't even like him very much, and the longer that passed between our relationship ending, I felt more annoyed at myself for staying with him for as long as I had. I didn't wish him dead, just far, far away from me. But he was dead. Brown eyes gone glossy, reflecting stars, covered in his own blood. After my call with mum, I had to get myself ready for work. Huge bruise on my neck and eyes swollen from crying. I had this horrible realisation that I was going to get teased for having a wild night in and I just could not cope with that. I splashed as much cold water on my face as I could stand and put on a high neck vest under my scrubs to try and hide as much of the bite bruise as possible. It didn't help much, but in the end I needn't have worried. Hayley was waiting for me by the staff room. She pulled me into a fierce hug and told me how worried she'd been, asking if I'd seen the news yet. It's your ex, isn't it? The awful one you dated before I met you, she asked. People kept asking about Ben all day. Between setting bones and fitting IV lines, I was beset with it every moment. Some people had a fierce kind of glint in their eye as though they were expecting that I might be glad that Ben was dead. Whenever anyone brought him up, all I could think about was the way his mouth kept moving like he was trying to talk. How he'd looked right past me, up at the sky. I thought about the bubbling gargles of his breath. The foul thing that killed him. The more I remembered, the more the twisting, needy rage filled inside me. And the more keenly I felt it, the sting of something close to sensible rage at Casper. Casper who'd saved my life, who'd bitten me, who'd drunk my blood and then left. Towards the end of my shift, I got a moment to breathe. I'd have usually gone out to smoke down the side of the hospital, but Tracy was working and I was pretty sure that she'd accost me about Ben too. Not wanting to face the break room either, I thought I'd try my luck with the doctors on call room. At that time, it was often empty. I could sit in there for ten minutes with my back to the door and actually maybe breathe for a moment. As I got to the door, though, I could hear something inside. Rasping breath. For a moment, I wondered if someone was hooking up in there, which wasn't unheard of, but then the breaths caught with a ragged little sound, and I knew whoever was in there was crying. I stood uselessly on the other side of the door, wondering what to do, when whoever was inside's pager went off. Their breaths stuttered. I heard them get to their feet, and as I was turning to make it look like I was just walking past, they opened the door. It was other Ben. My Ben's toy boyfriend. Me, but hotter. Red-eyed from crying. He looked at me. Horrible recognition in his eyes. I looked back. I have no idea what my face looked like. I hope I managed to keep the horror out of it until he was gone, and I was just standing there, standing in the hallway. My chest was tight. I couldn't make myself breathe right. I wanted to move, but my legs felt cold, my knees unsteady. My face felt numb, like I'd just been hurt, and there was mounting pressure behind my ribs. My ears were ringing just slightly, and the edges of my vision seemed to be wavering, flickering, like they were behind a haze of heat. 
Someone grabbed my arm. The moment his fingers curled around my bicep, I knew him. Casper. The thing knotted inside of me constricted, adding to the sticking pain in my lungs and ribs. I looked at him and I was furious, but I couldn't speak. I wanted to scream at him. All that happened was tears spilt down my cheeks. Casper's hand gripped me tighter. The thing in me hissed and fizzed, part of it purring at the contact, the rest of it livid. He left, he left, he left. But he came back. Casper said, come on. I took a moment for my legs to respond to his command, but I did. He led me out by the upper arm to the lift. I still couldn't breathe properly. My chest ached. I whispered, I'm fucking dying. You're not, said Casper, gruffly. The lift doors opened and he walked me outside. It was the end of dusk. Casper marched me over to a low wall and forced me to sit. Breathe in through your nose, he said. And I did. That was his boyfriend, I said on the XAO. Casper said he knew, but it wasn't important right now, that the important thing for me to do was to breathe. He was squatting in front of me, his dark eyes wide. For the first time, I saw them not as black, but a deep, red-tinged brown, flecked with bright amber. When I could breathe again, Casper said, Do you want to get out of here? I nodded. So we did. We pulled out of the hospital car park with a startling speed, and the fields raced past the windows. Where do you want to go? Casper said. I don't know, I said. I didn't look over at him. I didn't dare. I stared at the road. Casper settled the car into a higher gear. I listened to the engine purr and stared out of the window. We drove out of the edge of the city. Fields flicked past. Sheep, cows, crops barely visible in the murky light which grew thinner every moment. It should have worried me that I didn't know where we were going. That I didn't know Casper. But it didn't. I felt hollow. But at the edge of the void in me, there was something strange. Relief. Relief that Casper was there. That twisted wrongness inside of me that had been itching all day was finally beginning to subside. Casper flicked on the radio. Piano music began to play, softly at first, but building into a manic rage that made my fingers tingle. I stared out at the fields, though it was dark enough that I couldn't really see them at all anymore. I was determinedly not thinking about the fact that I was in Casper's car, that he was a few feet away from me, that I didn't know him, that I didn't know where we were going, that I really ought to care a little bit more about all of that, but I didn't. The car stopped abruptly. The engine cut out. I looked up, alarmed, and found Casper staring at me, his expression completely unfathomable. This is a bad idea, I said. Casper laughed. Now he gets a sense of self-preservation. I turned back to the window, to the ocean of trees clawing skyward, and said, Thank you. Casper didn't say anything for such a long time that I had to turn and look at him, or I'd have shivered out of my skin in discomfort. His expression was smooth, a blank slate. He was staring at me, but his eyes were unfocused. He clenched his jaw. I watched his Adam's apple bob up and down. Don't thank me, Casper said. His voice was tight. For getting me out of the hospital, I mean, I said quietly. Casper shook his head. Regardless, he said. 
Oh, Jesus, don't be so fucking melodramatic, I said. Casper frowned. What? I shook my head, unable to answer because I really don't know what it was. The thing inside me was back, angry, curling up and rising up my throat like bile. My hand went to my throat to the bruise, his bite. You did that, and you left, I said. I'm so sorry, Casper whispered. I knew where you were the whole time. I knew you were safe. As soon as it seemed you weren't, I came for you. His words were like a brand in my chest. What terrible reasoning. Yes, I hissed back. Maybe you knew where I was, but what about me? I didn't know where you were. Casper's eyes were wide. Do you care? He asked with genuine shock. Of course I fucking care. And like, I just watched my ex-boyfriend die and you were the only person I could talk about it with. Casper turned away then, sharply. My apologies, he said, thinly. I was even more furious at that. Fuck you, I told him. I yanked the car door open and stormed out, fury carrying me all the way to the tree line. My hand resting on rough bark, chest heaving, heart pounding in my ears. Casper was following me. Alfie, he demanded. I thought you might need space. I thought you might need time. He sounded furious. I couldn't look at him. I could no longer see. My heart felt like it was trying to break free, uncontrollable and nonsensical, far away from my thoughts, but consuming them at the same time. I think I might actually be having a heart attack, I said. You're not, said Casper. What the fuck do you know about it? You're just a porter, I hissed. I can hear your heart, said Casper. You're having a panic attack. Fuck you, I told him. Would you just fucking sit down? Casper growled. There was no room for argument in his voice. I dropped to the dirt like an obedient dog. Casper knelt in front of me. Just breathe with me, he said. Smoothly, quietly. Shut up, I hissed. Casper sighed, irritated. He reached out and I flinched from his hand. He hesitated a moment, trying to keep my gaze. He put his hand on the side of my neck. His fingers were cold. The shock of it ran right through me. Just breathe with me, he repeated. I could smell his breath on the wind. Sweet, honey-like almost, but musky, rich. I'm sorry about Ben, Casper whispered. I'm sorry we had to leave him. I'm sorry about what happened. I'm so sorry I didn't... I couldn't get there before it got you. I'm so sorry about this, he whispered. And on the word this, his thumb brushed over the bite on my neck. I'm sorry. I left. I shouldn't have. I thought it was best, but I was wrong. And I'm sorry. I squeezed my eyes shut so I didn't have to look at him. His hand was very, very cold, where it pressed against the heat of the bruise on my throat. His thumb brushed back and forth rhythmically across the bite mark, sending a bright shiver of pain every time it passed. It was easy to channel all of my focus onto it. I closed my eyes and cringed at the tears that rolled down my cheeks. Damn it, I hissed. Try to uncurl yourself a little, said Casper. For a moment I didn't know what he meant, but then at once I felt the trembling tension in all of my limbs, my arms binding my knees to my chest, muscles shaking slightly. I couldn't make myself move. It was like I'd been glued in place. 
Casper, somehow sensing this, reached across to my elbow and pulled it gently out from where it was jammed behind my knees, keeping his cold fingers lightly against my cheek the whole time. Next, he put his hand on my knee, tugging at it gently. A little shudder of tension left me. When I opened my eyes, his were closed. His expression was serene, one hand on my neck, the other on my knee. His face was mere inches away. Casper, I said. A small crease appeared between Casper's eyebrows. A moment, he breathed, just barely audible. He let out a long, shuddering breath and let his hands fall to his sides. He rocked back on his heels, crossed his legs, so he was sitting two feet in front of me. He opened his eyes slowly, a small smile twitching up the corners of his lips. A breeze stirred his tousled hair. He was completely and utterly beautiful. So beautiful it took me perhaps a full minute to notice that his eyes were now a bright, alarming scarlet. I stared at them. They softened more and more every second, so quickly returning to their near black that I wondered if I'd imagined it. What are you? I asked him. Casper smiled, but there was something off about it. Ah, yes, he said quietly, pressed his hands flat on the forest floor either side of his crossed legs. We'll have to do this, I suppose. You're marked now. I put my hand over the bite. What did she do to me? Casper sighed. I had to suck the poison out. Those things, they're like me, but gone wrong, you understand. It would have killed you in minutes if I hadn't done what I did, but... Casper hung his head. I've burdened you. Burdened me? I repeated, dumbstruck. Casper looked pained. I took more from you than I should have, he said, and he spoke with quiet anger. I'm ashamed. I, I should have stopped when I knew it was out, but I, it's been weeks since I... He kept fumbling it and fumbling it, and eventually I snapped. Weeks since you what? I said. Casper looked up, eyes wide and apologetic. Since I fed. Since you fed, I repeated in a whisper. As in, that's what you were doing. You were feeding on me. Casper nodded. Yes, he said. You bit me, I said stupidly. Yes, Casper said again. Sorry, I so rarely speak to humans. I interact with them when necessary, but they avoid us by nature, and I have no interest in attempting to overcome that. I feel like you're trying to say something without saying it, I said. Casper whirled around, his beautiful face twisted in frustration. Yes, for heaven's sake, yes. I'm trying to tell you that I'm... I, well, the common parlance for it would be... It would be vampire. That's what you would say. I stared at him. You're a vampire, I said. Yes, said Casper. I closed my eyes and heaved myself to my feet. Another wave of disappointment. This one so huge I thought I would crumble under it. I started walking towards the car. Where are you going, said Casper. You're clearly insane, I said. I'm not insane, he said, eyes glistening with sincerity in the darkness. You think you're a vampire and you're trying to convince me that you... Ate my blood. You're definitely insane. I, I'm going to go. I think I'm a vampire, he repeated, mystified. You don't believe me. How? How can you not believe me? 
Obviously, there's no way I'm going to believe that, is there? I told him. Anger flashed across Casper's expression. God, here I was, thinking you were bright. How can you not... You took notes. I saw you as I pulled away. Was that not enough for you to piece it together? I bit you on the neck. Have you seen the marks, Alfie? Months. Fucking months. I was desperate to make you forget. And now you're finally offered the facts and you reject them? Facts, I scoffed. You just told me you're a fairy tale creature. You are impossible. Impossible idiot boy, said Casper. You know what, I said. Fuck you. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you, but you need to stay the hell away from me. Casper shook his head. I can't. Not now. Not after drinking that much of you and letting you live. What are you talking about? I hissed. I kill you or you fucking listen to me. What don't you understand? Said Casper. I laughed in his face. You just threatened to kill me, I said. It wasn't a threat, said Casper, his voice low and quivering. I'll always be able to find you after taking that much of you into myself. I'll feel what you feel. I'll always know where you are, what you're feeling. That's the way it is. Take enough from one source, it will own you. That's just the way it is. And you, your blood inside of me, it'll call to you. You felt it already, haven't you? That pull. I know you have, because I felt the relief in you the moment I arrived. What I did, it can't be undone. You're mine now or you die. Sorry, I'm yours, I scoffed. I don't know what you're into, but I do not belong to anyone. Casper said, this situation is less than ideal, obviously, but I don't want to kill you. I didn't know what to make of any of it. At the time, I remember I just supposed that this was his preamble, a long self-justification for the life he was going to beat out of me, except... My heart was beating faster, and I could feel something between us, something strange, like maybe he wasn't lying, like maybe I could feel that pull, that need. Had I not been angry at him for leaving me all day? Casper stared at me silently for a long time, and then said, I can prove it to you. How? He took my hand and lifted it to his neck, a mirror of where he'd let his hand rest on mine. His skin was icy there, too. Can you feel my pulse? he said. I frowned, pressing my fingers to his cool, soft skin. No, I can't. But the other night, when you bit me, I could feel it then. It only happens when I feed. Here, he trailed my hand down his chest. Can you feel it now? I shook my head, stumbling closer to him without meaning to. I stared into his eyes, which were tight with something I didn't understand. I don't know what compelled me to do it, but I leaned closer until my head was resting next to my hand on his chest. I heard nothing but the whoosh of air into his lungs. I closed my eyes. It made no sense. Vampires did not exist. They were fairy tales, metaphors. I could not press my cheek up against them. It was some kind of trick that I could feel no pulse, some kind of mistake, a weird arrhythmia. I remembered in a distant part of my brain that some athletes have a pulse so low that they could die in their sleep if it dropped even further. Perhaps it was like that, only the second stretched on and on into minutes and there was nothing. No thud of a pulse, no heat coming off him, just the whoosh of air in and out of his lungs and the rustle of the trees. 
Eventually, Casper said my name, and it echoed through his chest like he was hollow. Perhaps he was. Shh, I said. Casper's hand dropped from my wrist. He stood like a statue for a moment, breathing slow and even, and then I felt the brush of his fingers at the back of my head. His arms wrapped around me, filling my head with that rich, honey smell that always clung to him. I curled my free hand up to my chest. It struck me I should have been afraid, but I wasn't. I tried desperately to reach towards fear, but found nothing. Nothing except the thought that he was holding me. A little sob tore through me. I was crying again. This, too, seemed not to matter. Not to me, nor to Casper, who simply stood and held me as the trees swayed. And he breathed in time with the wind. Will you kill me? I asked him. I don't know, he said. I don't want to. But? I try not to kill where I can, said Casper. I looked up at him with this strange feeling inside of me, and I took his face in my hands. He looked at me, and I don't know why really, but I kissed him. For a moment he was perfectly still under my lips, but then, tentatively, gently, he began to kiss me back. It was a soft thing, a sweet thing. I could feel my heart hammering. I still don't know why I did it, why that was the instinct, but it was. You're really a vampire, I said. Yes, he told me. Right, I whispered. Casper pulled away then. He covered his mouth with his hand. Do you want to kill me? I asked. He shook his head. No. But you want to drink my blood? Yes, Casper whispered. But I don't want you to die. Honestly, I had no idea what to do. He seemed so ruined and ragged. And in that moment, I knew exactly what I wanted from him. And it tore me to shreds. In that moonlight, he was exquisite. Good God, he was beautiful. And he was a killer, a monster. And I should have cared, but I absolutely did not. The thing in me, the angry, hurt little thing, it preened as I touched him. It was a frightening relief that he was there, that he had spoken to me, that he told me the truth, no matter how stupid and unbelievable that truth felt to me as he spoke it. He was there, and he was real, and he was breathing, and he looked as wrecked as I felt. I said, you're ruining my life, and he looked at me with the most awful expression and said, you're ruining mine too. So I told him, just kill me then, and I meant it because I was so tired of not being able to talk about it, of trying to speak and finding myself silenced, trying to get past the breach of it, finding it impossible. I was exhausted with seeing him in my head right there in front of me when it was so, so much worse than anything I could have dreamed because with that quick danger on his tongue, the tongue that darted across his lips as he considered it, really considered taking my throat in his teeth and tearing the flesh. I thought of how it had felt when he bit me, the sink of his fangs through skin and sinew, the tug of his mouth as he sucked me dry. I'd have died looking at the sky, and the twinkle of my vision as it blacked out would have seemed like galaxies. But he didn't kill me. He grabbed a fistful of my shirt and shoved me against a tree. He was speaking fast and quiet in a language I didn't understand, but I knew somehow that he was swearing at me. I was useless. My shoulders hit the tree and the air burst out of my lungs with a pathetic little sound, and I swear I have never felt at the mercy of anything the way I felt at his that night. He pressed against me so hard I could feel our bones trying to touch through our skin. He bit my lip hard enough to make me bleed, 
and kissed me like he was about to break my neck. I was a ragdoll. I'd have done anything he asked. And I did. Enough now. Enough. Not Quite Dead is written, performed and edited by Aira Major under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution license. Not Quite Dead will be going on a short hiatus until late January or early February. Live. Laugh. Bite.